Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Brian Houston. As the global senior pastor of Hillsong Church, Brian has two passions. One is to build the church of Jesus, and the other is to help people fulfill their God-given potential. Anytime you listen to him, you'll be encouraged that wherever you are or whatever you're going through, the best is yet to come. You can watch Brian Houston Sundays on Miracle Channel at 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time. And now, Brian Houston will discuss how Jesus endlessly pursued his mission despite persecution, attack, and injustice. In this message, you'll be inspired to do God's work and build the capacity to live out your calling in the face of risk and difficulty. Let's dive into the message. Well, we've been in Galilee, and in Galilee, I got to speak about the ministry of Jesus, so much of which happened on those waters and on those banks and His ministry today is our ministry. Now, we're the ones who go, believing for God to bring miracles and life and healing and victory to people. And here is where so much of Jesus' mission was announced and so much of Jesus' mission was proclaimed. And today, I believe His mission is our mission. So we're in a city, you all know it, Jerusalem. It, to this day, is the centre of both uh, religion and politics for the Jewish people. And this temple, right in the centre of the city, originally built as a place of devotion to Yahweh and worship to Him. And sadly, over the years, in many ways, became a centre of religious tradition and oppression. But you know what? It was to this place, three times a year, the pilgrims would come and they'd come up these steps. These steps are amazing. I don't know how many of them and how far back these exact steps date, but they say definitely as far back as Jesus. But if you could imagine in the Old Testament, the people of God marching up these steps towards the temple, saying we were glad when they said to us, let us go to the house of the Lord today. Coming with a shout and a song of proclamation of victory. I think that's pretty amazing. Can you imagine that? You're sitting on the very steps where they would go and say, we were glad we get to go to God's house. I hope we're still glad today when we get to go to God's house. What a powerful thing that is that we get in our countries to visit the house of God freely and worship Him. And of course, these are the very steps that Jesus Himself would have walked up to enter into the temple, which He did. So the three, the three celebrations that come for every year, the first was Passover, and then Pentecost, and and then Tabernacles. And so the Passover is where they celebrated God bringing them out of slavery, out of Egypt, and out of bondage. That was the feast of, of the Passover, or the Passover. And then Pentecost was when they celebrated God giving them the law, God giving them the covenant at Sinai. And then Tabernacles is where they celebrated God sustaining them and caring for them and providing for them in the desert. So all of those celebrations had a reason. I'm glad that we don't have to today just have 
the kind of worship services that we endure, we can have the kind of worship services we can enjoy. I love the fact that even back in olden times and even at the time of Jesus, there was a celebration when people got together. And I can sense a celebration here. Thank God for that celebration. You got a lot to celebrate. I got a lot to celebrate. We got a lot to praise God for in Jesus' Name. So it was when Jesus, with His parents, was coming to Jerusalem for the Passover that He didn't go home with them. It still amazes me that they could go three days before noticing that they'd lost their 12-year-old son, Jesus. And Jesus at 12, He's already teaching people who you would think were so much wiser and so much further ahead than Him. And so when they did find Him, He said in Luke 2 verse 49, why did you seek me? (laughs) Why would they be seeking their 12-year-old son? (laughs) Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? In other words, I've got a mission. I'm about my father's business. And you know, that mission is our mission today. The father's business. What a wonderful business it is for you and I to be in. The father's business. Well, when he was young, in fact, when he was just eight days old, when he was presented here, when he was dedicated to circumcision, both at that time, Simeon and Hannah prophesied about that mission. They prophesied that he would be the Saviour and that he would be the King of Israel. And so there was always that sense of mission from the time Jesus was eight days old through when he was 12, through the decades, till his three years of ministry. And then, of course, when Jesus would have come on that donkey across the Mount of Olives. Can you imagine? And down here into the Valley of Kedron, then finally to here, to these steps, and made his way in right before the crucifixion. What God has done from here takes the gospel to the ends of the earth. You don't actually have to come to Jerusalem. It's a joy and a privilege because Jerusalem today and the work of Jesus Christ and all that was accomplished here goes all the way to the ends of the earth which I've been told, by the way, is in the South Island of New Zealand, the furthest you can get from Jerusalem if you were to go straight down. Quite amazing when you think about it. So it was here that Jesus challenged the hypocrisy of the Pharisees in John 9. He actually pointed out when He healed a blind man that the Pharisees were so blind they couldn't see what God was doing. It was here where Jesus took what had become an exclusive message and again made an inclusive message by the veil being rent, the curtain being rent from top to bottom so that all can go into the presence of God so we can worship Him freely so that in 2017 we can sit on these steps with our heads held high and our hands held high and worship the King of Kings. That was all because of what Jesus did here. It's here that Jesus turned the tables on the unjust and on the immoral and talked about it in terms of them turning God's house into a den of thieves. It was here that He crossed the social divides. John chapter 8, Jesus all through the chapter is teaching here. And at that point there is when the woman caught in adultery was brought and people began to make demands that she should be stoned. And Jesus crossed over every social divide you could imagine and reached out to her and brought life to her. So much happened here. What had become the God for one, or for the priest rather, all of a sudden again became the God for the people, which was always the way God intended it to be. 
for this to be the most inclusive message there is. The body language of the gospel, the good news of Jesus has never looked like this. It's always looked like this. It's always whosoever will to the Lord may come. Anyone who calls, anyone, any creed, any culture, any form of diversity, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a powerful message that that is. And so Jesus declared His message here. It was in John 8 that He says, here, I am the light of the world. It was here in this place where after coming, you know, the people with the the palm trees and of course singing Hosanna and singing Hosanna, which means save us. We were singing earlier, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And what you're saying is save us, Lord, save us, Lord. Well, He has saved us. He does fill us with His Spirit. He does give us a God-given future. He does include us in His mission. He does give us the opportunity to continue the amazing work that started here. And so I pray that all of us will always take up that challenge, will always take up that possibility, that we'll never draw back ourselves from this mission, the mission of Christ. Zechariah prophesied it in Zechariah 9, verse 9, which says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. How powerful. As they declared, King of Israel, save us, save us, save us. And you know, today, you and I, we get to continue that message. Jesus said in John chapter 20, verse 21, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. You know, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, verse 20 says, go therefore, make disciples, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them all the things that I have commanded you to do. He said, lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. The promise is still for you and I today. He will be with us always. He called us right before He ascended in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you that you can be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the bottom of the South Island of New Zealand. Hey, for us, we have that opportunity to continue the mission that Jesus declared through His life from eight days old all the way through to His crucifixion and then before His ascension. He says, you've now got the power because all authority's given to me. And so today we can live in the power of God, continuing the most exciting mission that there is. You know, when Jesus in Acts chapter eight was teaching and here, people got offended. And so they asked him if he was here before Abraham or greater than Abraham. And he says, I am. He says, I am was before Abraham because people were offended. They wanted to stone him right here. And so what did Jesus do? Somehow he hid himself, the Bible says. And he went right past them, walked through them, walked past them. And he began to make his way to the valley down here. And on the way, he met a blind man. Do you remember that story? The man I already mentioned in John chapter nine, he had been blind since birth. It's somewhere just between here and there because he told the man to wash in the pool of Siloam. The pool of Siloam being right here in the valley. The Scripture says, Salome means sent. He was sent and he went. 
I believe because of the mission of Christ that now is our mission, when we are sent, we need to make sure we went. No matter what that means, it doesn't necessarily mean going literally physically to the other ends of the world, but it does mean reaching our world, being witnesses in our part of the journey, in our area of life, being witnesses for Him, that we might make disciples, that we might truly declare through our lives, through our testimony, that Jesus is alive. It's a big challenge. It's a great challenge. But I pray it'll never only be pastors or apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, etc., who see themselves as being on mission, because whether in a workplace, in your career, in your business, in your calling, in your house, in your family, wherever, all of us are on mission. The same mission, the greatest mission there ever was, the great co-mission, the Bible says. It's a co-mission. We're in this together, a co-mission. Every one of us is a part of this great mission. We are on mission. Missio Dei, literally, we are on mission. And so we have the opportunity to be here, but let's be in here and not ever forget that from what has happened here, we have the opportunity to salt the earth wherever we are. We're told in Matthew chapter five that we are the light of the world and that we are the salt of the earth. So Jesus, he heals this blind man, blind since birth. I'll read you a couple of verses. It says, verse one, John nine, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. His disciple asked him saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his sin or his parents sinned. Here it is, here's the mission, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus declared His mission right there. Why don't we give the Lord Jesus a big ovation? Why don't we thank Him for it? He said, while it is day, I must work the works of Him who sent me. So the night is coming when no one will work. Then He does say, I am in the world and I am the light of the world. When He said these things, He spat on the ground. This is right here. Made clay with the saliva. He anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. And you know what? In this verse, it talks about five different groups of people. And I'll just talk for a few more moments about these five groups of people because all of them opposed the mission of Christ. They doubted, they persecuted, they opposed. The five groups of people in verse two, it was the disciples. In verse eight, it was the neighbours. In verse 13, it was the Pharisees. In verse 18, it was the Jews. And in verse 20, it was his parents. Each one of them tried to stand against the mission and get Jesus off course from his mission. Of course, that was never going to happen. So in verse two, it talks about the disciples. I think the disciples represent a spirit of analysis because they wanted to know why the boy was blind. Why is he blind? Was it his sin or his parents' sin? Is it him or is it his his generation, second and third generation, whatever. They wanted to analyze. Jesus said, this isn't even about who sins. We've got work to do. We've got a mission to fulfill. Let's get our minds off trying to analyze why he was blind. Let's just do the work we're called to do. Man, I tell you, in the kingdom of God today, we can get so analytical. We can start arguing, get dogmatic, point the finger, get annoyed with other believers, make it all about 
things that really aren't what matters. The paralysis of analysis is such a destructive force when it comes to the kingdom of God. Let's not always be wondering why, questioning, doubting, pointing the finger at others, accusing. Let's be people who are part of the answer. We've got the greatest news of all. We are witnesses to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What have you seen Him do in your life? Who are you telling about what you've seen Him do in your life? Man, we are witnesses. We've seen Him do so much in our lives. I know for Bobby and I, we've seen Him do so much in our lives, in our family, in our church. I don't wanna hold it all to myself. I want people to know about the goodness of God. You have a Saviour. You have a healer. You have a deliverer. You have a vector. You do. You, my friend, He's your portion. What a powerful thing that is. He is your portion. He is the deliverer. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the one who brings up. He is our strength in Jesus' Name. He is our victory. Let's not get ruled by the spirit of analysis that we saw here in the disciples in verse eight, it was the neighbours. Therefore the neighbours and those previously had seen that he was blind said, is this not he who sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, he looks like him. Then he said, I am he. He is me. Therefore they said, how were your eyes opened and questioned? Spirit of familiarity. They didn't recognise him after Jesus had touched him. So what of God for you and I to be unrecognisable? After God has touched us, that spirit of familiarity is such a bondage for people's lives. We can get all familiar with what God does. We can get familiar with the work of the Lord. We can get familiar with what we see the Lord do in our own lives and maybe in the church that we go to. And the spirit of familiarity will always get us off course from our mission. The greatest of all missions. The greatest of all missions. Let's never get familiar with the blessing of God. Let's never get familiar with the opportunity to worship Him in spirit and truth. Here was this man who Jesus had healed, who had been blind since birth, their neighbour, but they couldn't see Him. And I pray that in our lives, in many ways, after God's work in our lives, people won't even recognise who you used to be. But we were never called to live according to who we used to be. We're called to live according to who we're going to be. And who you are going to be is all that Jesus Christ has called you to be. And to live the kind of life that only Jesus Christ can call you to live. So the spirit of analysis in the disciples, the spirit of familiarity in the neighbours, and then... There's, of course, the spirit of religion in the Pharisees. In verse 13, they brought him who formerly was blind. We were all formerly something. We all were formerly something. I never want to be known for who I used to be, what I used to do. At one time, I oversaw like a a movement, a, a fellowship of 1,200 churches, and someone kept changing my Wikipedia and putting on that I used to be the former president I don't want to be former anything. I'm all about the future in Jesus' name. I don't want to live according to who I used to be. I'm so full of hope for the future. God's got so, I'm only 63. I got many, many years of blessing and God's goodness and God's favour and God's promise in my life. Hey, and so listen to the Pharisees. Man, it was a Sabbath. Uh Uh-oh. It was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man's not from God. How could this be from God? Because he does not keep the Sabbath. Obviously, it meant a whole lot more to them 
whether or not he kept the Sabbath than that a blind man who had been blind since birth could now see. Religion rules and holds so many people and it can get in our own spirit so easy. So easy for us to start being people who, without understanding it, a little like frogs in the kettle. We don't understand how we're becoming like our environment and things like legalism can creep in and some of the jargon and some of the life not go and just start getting into formulas. These people were more concerned about Jesus healing someone on the Sabbath than they were about the fact that a man had been healed who had been blind since birth. And you know what the Bible says? It says in these verses, there was a division among them. It's in verse 16. It says, others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. He said, he's a prophet. Hey, there was a division among them. Do you know, if we get religious, there will always be division. There'll always be strife. There'll always be divides. There'll always be walls. Jesus broke through all of those divides. Whether it was a Samaritan woman, not only an unclean Samaritan, but a Samaritan woman, or whether it's the woman caught in adultery, or whether somewhere else Jesus spent his life crossing over divides where people thought he should never go. And yet he did it to bring life and to bring hope. I pray we never get ruled by religious spirit that tries to bind us and hold us. Let's keep the freedom of the Holy Spirit. Let's understand that everything Jesus accomplished here, He accomplished it for us, that He is very clear in His mission. And today it is our mission. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Amen. Well, there was the Jews. The Jews represent a spirit of unbelief. It says, verse 18, but the Jews did not believe concerning Him that He had been blind and received His sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them saying, is this your son who you say were born blind? How then does he now see? They did not believe. They would not believe that he was blind since birth and that he had been healed. Do you know the spirit of unbelief? It tries to afflict every single one of us. And oftentimes it's not the strongest from other people towards us. It's the strongest inside of us. Actually being able to believe what God says about you. Actually believing what God has done on your behalf. Actually believing you have a God-given future and a God-given hope. Actually believing that He can do the exceeding abundant and above anything you could ever ask or think according to His power that today is alive in us. Let's not be ruled by analysis. Let's not be ruled by familiarity, by religion, by unbelief. Maybe finally, the saddest of all were his parents, his own parents. You see, his parents, they represent a spirit of fear. In verse 20, it says about his parents. His parents answered when they were asked how he could now see. He said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. His own parents, because of fear being put out of the synagogue, were afraid to embrace that their boy could see, blind since birth and could see. And they just distanced themselves. Listen, it, it sounds like a press statement. I'll read it again. Listen, we know this is our son and that he was born blind. 
But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. We would appreciate it if you'd respect the family's privacy at this difficult time. Hey, what is this? What is this? His own parents, they should have been jumping, dancing, praising God. So much to thank God for. What is it that tries to hold you back from mission? Is it just getting too analytical? Is it maybe trying to intellectualize? Thank God we're able to meditate and think on great things and God has created us with that possibility, but not when it becomes a cynicism or a negative that holds us back from free spirit and free worship. Is it perhaps the spirit of familiarity, seen it all before, grew up in church life? Is it that spirit of religion that can get in on us and get inside of us and locks us in and kind of brings us bondage instead of freedom? Is it the unbelief? that the Jews showed in that instance? What is it with you? Is it the spirit of fear? We all know that's not the spirit God gives us. He gives a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind in Jesus' Name. He gives us a different spirit altogether. So today, His mission is our mission. We are witnesses. Witnesses, they give account of what they saw. If you saw something happen in the street today, you're a witness. You'd simply talk about what you saw. What have you seen God do in your life? What have you seen Him do in the lives of people around and about you? I've already heard about business people who are visiting here for our family and friends who don't know Jesus Christ necessarily, personally, and yet God is already impacting them powerfully. There's people here from every walk of life, and some of you come from all sorts of places, and there's even people from Israel. So praise God for that. Praise God for that. You know. To to pray for Israel is a great thing to do. And we all know the history of Israel to some level or another. And yet in the middle of it all, we represent the God with the greatest mission of all, the salvation of 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 the earth, the salvation of the earth. And we have a great mission and we're all set up to win on this mission. Let's never, ever allow anything to hold us back and distract us from fulfilling your God-given destiny. You were never just saved for heaven. You're saved, called, purposed and graced to serve Him right here and now. And everything we need for that mission, He has given us. If you believe it, say Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more great messages from inspiring teachers like Brian Houston. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. So subscribe, rate, review, and share. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.